Good afternoon. I'm T. Hetzel. You've got Living Writers on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And today I'm so happy to have Hillary Gustafson here in the studio with me. Hillary, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And thanks for picking the tunes for today's program. Absolutely. Um, so what about this first one that's kind of setting the tone for our summer reading talks that's right very very happy song um it's actually my one of my husband's favorite songs which is wonderful um so shout out to mike shout out to mike friend of the show co-owner of literati bookstore um and the songs we chose this week they're um all um Hits from 1960, which was the year that Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird came out. What a uh, book. Yeah, absolutely. And her new book, or her second book, they thought To Kill a Mockingbird was going to be her only book, but Go Set a Watchman um, is a follow-up to Kill a Mockingbird set 20 years later um, with a lot of the same characters, and it comes out on July 14th. So, so just around the corner. Absolutely. And this is a much-anticipated book, isn't it? It is. With it was controversy with a lot of controversy it. and you know we have our own mixed feelings about how it came about it's kind of hard to know you know Harper Lee's up there in age she's in a home she okayed that this book should come out um, but people debate whether or not she really made that decision herself in the right mind or not um, so it's kind of it's a complicated issue her close friends say that she's this is the right decision and, and that she she did this fully um, cognizant of what was going on. So that's a good thing. And it's it seems like there was some, I don't know, like something like it had been like the lost manuscript as if she she didn't know where it was. And right. Then... I th- well, so the story is, is that she wrote this story first and then her brought it to her editors and they said, um, you know, we really want you to rework this story in some sort of way. And then she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. So um, they're very connected in a very neat way, and it should be really interesting. I think um, there's going to be lots of people reading and trying to figure out, you know, how they all fit together. Mm. And so, and in that spirit, um, you guys at Literati... In your book club, the That's Literati right. Book Club, have this is the the July read. Exactly, we're meeting the day before Go Set a Watchman um, comes out to discuss To Kill a Mockingbird to whip up the masses That's for right. the book release. And and you know, it's always like I haven't read it since high school, so it'll be great to reread it and to discuss it with a group um, of adults and um, you know. Re- relive that kind of experience. My husband just re- reread it um, a couple a year or two ago and just said it really stands the test of time and he really enjoyed reading it as an adult more than he did when in high school. So it was really that was um, makes me excited about this. Yeah. So you you're going to be reading it in the next couple of weeks just to get ready for the book club. You Absolutely. want it to be fresh. That's right. right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, I see. How, that's how I would be too. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and it's people say that's one of the most read books in America because I think you know I had to read it in high school. Absolutely. I think like almost we all. It's like a, a rite of passage, isn't it? Absolutely. And it and it still remains extremely timely. Um, so I think yeah. um, it's it's a book that, that really does stand the test of time. Yeah. It's so true. Like when you talk about something um, like a classic or so or something Absolutely. that's like something that will will last. I, I'm actually reading um, Anthony Trollope this summer. Oh, some wow. of, Part yeah. of my summer will be a Trollope summer. Oh, that's great. <laughs> 
Have you? It's quite an undertaking. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know, yeah. Oof, no, I'll just read. Well, I read Barchester Towers, nice. so we'll 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 see. But again, a book that you would think, you know, how could something that was maybe I don't know, was it written in the 1850s or so, or 1860s, something, you know, feel like so alive and and somewhat mo- like and modern in its right. application of the relationship and absolutely and that you know they kind of tap into that insight into human emotion and um yeah and some wicked humor that's right too (laughs) which you'd think it's going to be kind of fuddy-duddy or you know then they look kind of massive when you look at them on the shelf you're like why does he have so much to say you know (laughs) book after book after book but he says it well (laughs) that's right so there's my little trollop (laughs) summer reads book club but it might be a book that weighs your your bag down if you're carrying it around with you that's right that's right (laughs) um so so hillary well um because you're co-owner of literati Mm -hmm. so let's uh you're at washington and fourth yes 124 east washington um right on the corner of washington and fourth and what's the, the what's the show, like the origin story? Because you and Mike came back to Ann Arbor. We're gonna put up. We're gonna make a bookstore here, right? That's right. Yeah. So I grew up here in Ann Arbor, and bookstores have always been a huge part of my life because Ann Arbor has always supported so many bookstores. And when Shame and Drum closed, and when Borders closed, you know, we were kind of heartbroken. And um, I was working in publishing in New York City, and then. Um, we drew up a business plan to try to open a bookstore and followed those plans through. And um, we're in our, we've we've had two years, we're in our third year, which yes. is really great. Yes, and it's been, it's been wonderful. We just expanded last um, fall and included um, another floor in our building. So we take up the whole building, the historic building and- It's um, a book takeover. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and coffee takeover because we now have the espresso bar um, share the space with us and they're really wonderful. Um, they share the same passion for coffee that we have for books and it makes a really, it's a nice um, space to read and get work done and to meet with friends. Yeah, compatible passions, definitely. That's right. <laughs> um, and also a great space because some of the readings are now upstairs as well. A- absolutely. We, we we do some of our readings up there, which allows for a little more space and to not interrupt people who want to browse um, on some of the other floors where we keep most of our inventory. Um, so it's a little more seamless in terms of because we do host a number of events um, in the busy months. It's pretty much every day. So the summer kind of slows down. But um, yeah. that must be a, a bit of a relief, too. <laughs> for you yes <laughs> yeah yeah I love the, the events are great and we have a full-time events coordinator John, John. hello to John out there <laughs> hello to John out there <laughs> yeah and he, um, he's wonderful he's a graduate of the MFA program here at the university and um, uh, a really great guy so yeah you've he, got lots of great people at the, the bookstore um, shout out to Russ too absolutely and, he's and, at interlocking right now is he yes and um, we have we have really, really great, you know, our youngest employee is Claire. She's going to be a junior at the University of Michigan, and she is just absolutely wonderful. She's in Paris studying right now, which is wonderful. And then, you know, we have... Maybe at no- Shakespeare and Company. Oh, she already went. That's right. And she sent us pictures. She's so great. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then, you know, we have... Um, a wonderful set of people who are former Borders employees who are just so wonderful. Jean, our manager, is just, um, we call her Jean the Queen because she's just really amazing. She is 
our inventory specialist and special orders. And she does everything that's really great. And she was with Borders for 25 years. So brings a lot of book knowledge to the table. Yeah, that's that's definitely like a PhD in book knowledge. That's right. <laughs> definitely over that. Uh, yeah. Two or three. That's so. right. <laughs> uh, well, you guys, you're, so you're a couple of dreamers that now you've made this dream really happen yeah. on the streets of Ann Arbor because some people would have been like, ooh, that might, what about another small business? Yes. <laughs> right? Well, but everybody so said that to us. <laughs> I'm so glad but, you didn't listen. <laughs> well, it was, it was ex- actually, I think, you know, our family members were concerned and, you know, the general narrative was in the media was that bookstores are dead, but bookstore, small bookstores have actually grown in number and are doing really great. You know, we go to um, a number of independent book conferences, which, um, you know, we get together and share ideas and share successes. And it just seems like it's been a really great couple of years for small independent bookstores, which is wonderful. I saw... um... It's Mike's interview with Jay um, from Westside Bookshop absolutely. in Current, I think, yeah. maybe a month or so ago, yeah, so recently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, the book culture is still really strong. And even in Ann Arbor, I mean, downtown alone, there are so many independent bookstores, most of them used, which is wonderful, like Westside Bookshop and Don Treader and Kaleidoscope and Mott and & Bailey and, oh, and Aunt Aunt Agatha. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're right across. <laughs> the street and you know and then crazy wisdom is there as well they're a new bookseller um so it it really is a wonderful community it's very strong this is good so you're we're making sure that ann arbor is still can still be a book town well and ann arbor is making sure of that too by supporting us and coming by the store and telling us they're so glad we're here and 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 buying books from us, which helps us stay around. So that's nice. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll be talking today on the program. We're going to be, um, Hillary's kindly brought several summer read picks, like some ideas. If you don't already have some things on your nightstand that are ready to, you know, pack up and go with you wherever you go, or if you're riding the bus or wherever you're going, um, this July and August, (laughs) um, the book can go with you. Right. right. (laughs) And, um, and I thought it was interesting that some of the, the, um, the marketing talk about um, go set a watchman mm-hmm. is about keeping it in like the like a print like a book form. Absolutely, <laughs> it can't just be digital or it can't you know it's got to be out there in the world as a an object. Right, absolutely. It has that you know. There's something about classic books that you read and keeping them. Um, in the physical form and revisiting them, you know, in, in years to come. And that, that really seems to be important. Yeah, because I wonder, and maybe people out there will be like, of course you can do this. But if you have a Kindle, like, is it that you can underline or take notes on things? Like, like sort of your own um, imprint on the book. Absolutely. It's, I mean, maybe if that isn't part of the application or whatever the platform, yeah. maybe someone could add that in. But it's just because there's a way that you can actually be in the book with your mind and sort of leaving traces of it so that you can go back and see it in the future as well. And, you know, right. And marking those passages or thinking about a passage and pulling it off the shelf and being able to just go to it quickly. Uh, I do that all the time when I'm trying to recall a sentence that I loved from a book and 
just it's it's different. I mean, you can do that electronically. It's just a little different. Right. right. <laughs> okay. So we won't be totally, totally <laughs> against the electronic medium. That's right. There's room for everything. <laughs> and so, Hillary, with um, you've got a who's coming to read next? Um, is it? Let's see. Wait. I, is it? We have Eden Eden Lapaki, which um is. Um, going to be Friday the 10th at 7 p.m. And we're really excited. She's going to be in conversation with Rebecca Sherm, who is a local author who wrote... Friend of un- the show. Exactly, <laughs> who wrote Unbecoming. Um, and she's going to be in conversation with her after she reads. And um, California has gotten really great... Um, accolades and reviews um emily st john mandel jennifer egan sherman alexi all really loved the book sherman alexi was on the colbert report and plugged the book i just said how much he loved it and the book sold like crazy after that um and <laughs> that's a, like a double bump then the sherman alexi colbert bump, bump. exactly like through the roof <laughs> <laughs> that's right so um and and it's a staff pick of ours. Claire on staff really loved it. Um, and I th- it's also a really great summer read. And it's going to be coming out in paperback that week. So Perfect. it's going to be really great. Yeah. Lighter. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Easy to put in the beach bag. <laughs> so today on the program, Hillary Gustafson is here from Literati Bookstore. Um, a shout out to Mike and, and everyone else at the bookstore. Um, you've got living writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Oh, and a quick shout out to the Liz who's engineering, making a sound. <laughs> Woo, the crowds go wild. And we get another song from 1960 um, that Hillary and Mike chose for us today. Okay, we'll be right back. She was afraid to come out of the locker. She was as nervous as she could be. She was afraid to come out of the locker. She was afraid that somebody would say Two, three, four, tell the people what she wore It was an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini That she wore for the first time today An itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini So in the locker she wanted to say Two, three, four, stick around, we'll tell you more bum, bum, bum. She was afraid to come out in the open So a blanket around her she wore She was afraid to come out in the open And so she sat bundled up on the shore Two, three, four, tell the people what she wore It was an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini That she wore for the first time today And itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow Welcome back. And you're welcome for that song. Hillary, that was a great choice. <laughs> Getting people in the mood for summer, the pool. That's um, right. Tiny bathing suits. <laughs> Maybe not roll. for me, but <laughs> I, I'd like like the one with the leggings and the stripes, <laughs> like the full, you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> today Hillary Gustafson is here from Literati Bookstore. Um, we've been talking about Harper Lee's Go Set a Watchman um, that'll be out July 4th. 14th, um, and among other things, and about the shop. And it's just, I'm just so glad you guys are there, Hillary. Absolutely. Um, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah you're so, you're such a great that. support. Yeah. 
Um, but so can you tell us a little bit about the buildup? Because you guys have the book club and you're you're rereading or you're reading or rereading, depending on the situation, right. To Kill a Mockingbird, because it's all ages in these book clubs, too. Absolutely. Right? It's it's a full range of people um, and perspectives and which makes it really fun and lively. And I think this one will be especially fun. Um, to Do re- people come in? Like, how does the book club work, Hillary? The book I- club works is anybody can can join. We list the book of the month. Um, at the end of each book club, and then you ha- you get a fifteen percent discount on the book uh, if you mention the book club when you come in, and um, you know it's open. It's at seven p.m. Um, on this this month on July thirteenth, which is the day before Ghost at a Watchman comes out, and um, it it's it's great. It's pretty low key. We just um, discuss a number of questions and issues and. You know the usual book club fair. And will you be the one that's sort of um, leading the leading? Group? The yeah, group? that's okay. uh, yeah. The book club is is usually run by me, and sometimes someone else from staff will come in and help too. So that's really great. And you have a feminist book club and oh, an yeah. eco book club too. We do. Yes, our feminist book club is probably our most popular book club, and it's wonderful. It's run by Claire Tobin, who is um, going to be a junior at Michigan, and she came up with the idea. She is just wonderful and and has a, done a really good job at picking interesting books and leading interesting discussions. Um, and this month she's in Paris studying, so I'll be leading the group this 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 month. Month, and we'll be discussing um, Euphoria by Lily King, which is another. It's which is one of my summer picks. Let's start these off, Hillary, if you don't Absolutely. mind. Absolutely, <laughs> um, Euphoria is great. It was. Um, the New York Times chose it as one of its top five fiction books of last year, and it's out in paperback now. Um, it is a fictionalized account of Margaret Mead's life, um, and it follows kind of her study in the field and the people she works with there's a romance in it as well um so it it's the writing is beautiful the story moves quickly it's kind of the perfect summer read for that um and it's really smart and it brings up a lot of issues of women um in the 1930s working in anthropology and how hard it was in academia and can still be to kind of make your mark as a woman and so have you hillary have you read this book already in preparation. So this one's you've you've got. Yeah, this one's why I've, I've started your summer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just it's it's really smart and beautiful and easy to read. Is there a passage you especially like in this one? Oh. Now to put you on the spot here. You are putting me this on is the like, spot because <laughs> this is actually a nice crisp copy too. It, it's not. It's it not sure the one you, didn't you didn't dog ear. I know she yeah. actually came to town and was a really, really smart and interesting woman. She um, and we got to have dinner with her, so we had a my my copies at home in my signed books pile, but. Um, Oh, the, yes. The, the special pile. That's right. right? I don't want to give anything away, so I'm not going to necessarily okay. read part of it. But I will say that, um, you know, there is a love triangle in here. And she goes down down a river in Papua New Guinea to study a tribe with her husband. And another scientist comes along and some tensions build there. So. Ooh, <laughs> all right. So it sounds like summer sizzler based <laughs> 
fictionalized <laughs> life of Margaret Mead. Okay. That's right. Smart <laughs> summer sizzler. How about that? Exactly. <laughs> now I feel like we should be doing a Huffington Post sort of. Yeah. Well, and I will say it's not just for women. Russ on staff also loved this book and he called it steamy. So, you know. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. So we've got a steamy from Russ. And, okay. Well, and so what else do you have over there? What's the next book if we're looking at your summer bag? Here um, one of my favorites of this year so far and just came out um, in the beginning of June is The Sunken Cathedral by Kate Walbert. Um, it's it's a beautiful story. It's multiple perspectives told in present day New York. Um, and there's kind of a feeling of dread throughout the book that some kind of um, climate change disaster is going to happen. But all of these people are just living their lives normally. And it's narrated mostly by Marie, who is in her 70s, um, living in Chelsea. And you hear her backstory. She um, came over after World War II and created a life. And you kind of see her enjoying New York despite this doom and gloom that's happening. And it's it's really beautifully written, um, very sparse. It's a short book, so it's, it's one that you can read fairly easily, but really, really beautiful. And she wrote um, A Short History of Women, which was really popular a number of years ago, and was another one of my favorites. And it's collect, connected stories of women throughout time and the struggles that they deal with. Um, so... And that got wonderful rave reviews, and this is getting great reviews, too. It got three-starred pre-pub reviews, which is really great. So, um, And the New York Times did a, did a review a couple weeks ago, which was really great. So definitely recommended. And I like how you say that the um, the book itself, uh, it could be something that if you had like a few days, like a long weekend or a week, this could be a book that you could feel really good about getting reading the whole thing. Exactly. Or, or, it's it's just about 200 pages. So, it's, so it could even be like a night or so. <laughs> exactly. And it's nice. You know, Marie is the main character, but you get a number of different characters that kind of intersect in her life, some that live in her apartment building. So... Each of those kind of interspersed helps move the story along in a really beautiful way. Mm, mm. And so um, is there a part from this book? Do oh, you absolutely. Think? I'll read the beginning. Um, the writing here is what's, I think, the star. Um, the story is great, but it's more about the character development and kind of the, the language. Um, and this is this is the beginning, which kind of sets up the, the kind of climate change disaster that's kind of looming. And it says, <clears throat> the water rushed the low bank, its first destruction, the unbinding of the strange bound sticks that had for years appeared along the west side highway back bike path. Sticks crisscrossed atop stones, stacked in ways that suggested they meant something to someone. In an instant, the water broke it all down, swiftly clogging the already clogged drains as the river rose. Fast, there was pressure there, volume and shifting tides, currents and swells over the west side highway bike path. Flooding the recent Recently resotted Hudson River Park, the roots of the sycamores and maples, ornamental cherry and dogwood, too, shallow to grip. The trees toppled and bob, knocking in a surging log jam, the limestone foundations of the once tenement art galleries, the red brick churches and garages, and too numerous to count glassy condo towers, each a flimsy envelope, leaking carbon, heat, cooled air in summer. Now, capable of resisting nothing, their glass panes pop and shatter like so many bottles, lobbed to the sidewalk, the ones that remain reflecting the darkening sky, and the tempest of the day, and the rising swirl of the water as the higher, richer tenants stand in black silhouette. 
<laughs> wow. But then... <laughs> This then is the, there's a puppy. A puppy comes. Yeah, so that's, that's what sets it up, but you don't really get a glimpse of kind of that destruction at all throughout the book. You get the lives. It kind of just sets the stage as kind of something that's going to happen in the future. Um, and it goes into, Simone had the idea she might finish Henry's last canvas if she knew a little something. Think of the poetic justice, the cemetery. Wasn't Roebling's widow the one who actually built the Brooklyn Bridge? She had read it, Simone said. She was sure she had. Marie had no clue. But then again, things like this never interested her. Details and dates, the peculiarities of history. She had only agreed to accompany Simone to 27th and 6th to the decrepit-looking building that housed the School of Inspired Arts out of their long friendship, or rather, out of a certain habit of loyalty. So it is the story about Simone and, and Marie who take an art class as with a group of... Re- hodgepodge group of people um and the teacher is really interesting too and it's just about finding you know their widows they're trying to live out the last years of their life and find some some spark of happiness and and the art class is what's really fun so it's a good setting for that Ah, and so so it's so interesting so this one the sunken cathedral by kate Walbert mm-hmm. is is really character driven and lyrical yes, language exactly. and um and it when you were reading the thank you for reading for us too yeah, Hillary yeah, so thanks. we get a sense of the prose <laughs> um it, you know, like listening to that opening, like you said, it's sort of apocalyptic um, and um, it just makes me think it's sad about like the environmental, like the poor EPA things being shot down I recently. Know, or I know. It's a, you know, a boon for business. But again, um, it's sad for the environment. It's just it's interesting because you forgot. Let's see, because we've got more books to talk about, too. But it seems like a lot of what people are thinking about are these um, even in film like the apocalyptic times or so right um, and dystopias and yeah absolutely i think you know um climate change is really um an issue that is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds and um if you look at kind of some of the statistics it can seem sort of scary and apocalyptic um that if we don't change things they could really escalate and i think that is on a lot of people's minds um Not that it hasn't always been, but, you know, even more so now a lot of times. But I I don't know. Have you have you read Naomi Klein's This Changes Everything? No. no. Um, That's about climate change. And she talks a lot about kind of the facts behind it and and what it means for the future. Like if this happens, then um, if we don't change anything, this is sort of the outcome for us. She and she's coming this fall to the University of Michigan to talk. So that'll be a really interesting discussion. Oh, that will be. That'll be great. And will Literati be there as we well will. with the yes. books? Yes, and... it'll be at Rackham. Oh, great. Okay. Yes. Well, I'll definitely read that then. I'll <laughs> add that to my summer reading list. <laughs> and and the Sunken Cathedral, it looks beautiful as well. Um, and, and it seems like what you're saying, too, is this is the frame, but the story itself is... Is, is, is it's, character-driven it's, and is really about... You know, living in the moment, knowing that, you know, our our end all is, you know, one where we're going to depart this earth. But what can we do right now to really enjoy it and to love the people that are close to us? 
What, what can be better than that? Exactly. <laughs> and for a summer book read. So that that one is Kate Walbert's The Sunken Cathedral. Also um, in this quarter, um, Hillary was talking about Euphoria um, by Lily King, now out in paper. Um, so we'll take a short break and then we'll be back. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Hillary Gustafson is here with books. And we're going to talk more about books when we come back. is here. Um, Hillary's the co-owner of Literati Bookstore. Um, she's kindly stopped by the studio to talk books and um, to give us some of the news on Harper Lee's, you know, much anticipated Go Set a Watchman um, book, like a prequel. Um, or sequel. <laughs> or yeah. sequel. Or, sorry, yeah, yeah wait. something. <laughs> it's technically was written first, but happens after to kill a mockingbird so it's interesting because it's the scout character who's mm-hmm. maybe like um t- like in her 50s returning to or no maybe not that that, that it's much set older. 20 years later 20 years so, oh okay yeah, she, so she's much younger than because yeah. scout was like 12 yeah, or something yeah, right, right yeah. so um it's funny how we have i don't 
I don't know, that book is such an amazing, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. It's such, it makes such an impression, I think, because you also then, I think often people also see the film, right? So then we have right. these iconic images um, and of the courtroom and... Absolutely. And, and it, well, yeah, it was such a famous movie with some famous people that does kind of often stand in in the way in your mind when you're thinking about the characters of the book as well. So... When you were when you were um, little, Hillary, and, and reading books and stuff, were you like a voracious reader, or did you kind of did you start loving love like having your passion for books that you mentioned earlier? Did that hit you later? Or I, I think you know I read often as a kid. I wasn't like a super voracious reader, but I read a lot. My dad, you know, would take us um, to the bookstore Borders, or when Nicholas used to be up on Plymouth Road, we used to go there. It was Webster's before that, but um, he'd look at the magazines, and we, my sister and I, would go back to the kids section and just sit there, you know, while he spent his time. It was a little way to do things, which was great. And we got to pick out one book each time we went, which was wonderful. And then I think, you know, you get into school and you're caught up in your reading. And when I was in college, I finished my major my sophomore year. And so I ended up taking as, um, for fun, some English classes and really loved that. And then also spent a lot of my free time reading, which really, that that really solidified my love of reading. And then after college, worked for Simon & Schuster as kind of my second job out of college. And that, again, kind of fostered my love for reading. Because you were always reading, it sounds like. Yeah. Could I ask you, so this is this is a side question, but how do you f- finish your major in your sophomore year? How did you work? I was really aggressive. Because that? <laughs> that's amazing. I, was really, I pretty much just took, I was a politics and international relations major and finished them all, um, took mostly all politics classes for two years. So, you know. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I sometimes think, you know, when people get through, or I think sometimes, hmm, well, when I finished college, I, I wasn't an English major. Surprise, surprise, everybody. <laughs> not that everybody's been waiting to know um, if I was or not. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. Um, but um, but I really, like, just read. And I also had this idea that I had not read lots of things I was supposed to have read when right. I was in college. Right. So then I started doing my own pursuit of, you know, the classics or whatever, right. you know. And I think that's not an, uh, you know, that's probably pretty common that people do that, right, where you think you... Yeah, absolutely. Right, exactly. I, I re- remember feeling like I missed a lot of the awards in college, like the Pulitzer and the Booker, and going back and reading those as well and kind of getting caught up on current literature. So that was that was really fun um, and a good way to kind of navigate what's what's being written and what's really good. So, Right, and that seems like um, great preparation for working at Simon & Schuster yeah. if you were starting to read for them and knowing what what's important that's right and my my job at simon and schuster was to i was a sales rep for independent bookstores so i got to from the you know thousands of books they publish each year we would pick out what we thought was appropriate for independence which is literary fiction and you know narrative nonfiction and you know very topical issue driven books and is that could you say more about that hillary because that's interesting because it's like i've never i I guess that makes sense that the indies, like the independent bookshops, would have maybe a mission that might not be dissimilar to other in other in towns and cities across 
the country. Right, exactly. And I think each, you know, that was what was so fun about the job. I had about 60 different independent bookstores throughout the country, mostly on the East Coast. And it was my job to figure out, you know, who their customers were, what kind of local writers or settings do they like and how does how does the books that Simon and Schuster publish fit into their their view um, you know somewhere in Alabama is going to be vastly different from somewhere in Maine and kind of the fiction that they read um, and based on the the size of the town and whether it's you know on the coast or inland and rural or you know it's just um, or suburban or urban um, really makes a difference. So that makes it seem like like a big publishing company like Simon and Schuster is actually trying to think about like a broad demographic. Right, right. And they they you know what goes into indies is very different than what goes into Costco. And you know they might carry a few of the same things, but you know the independent like when I think about buying for for literati, you know the new Fifty Shades of Grey book just came out, and there's a new one. Yeah, is it like Fifty One Shades? No, it's, it's it, from the it, guy's perspective. Oh, <laughs> so um, because it was from well, at last. I mean, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, but they asked. You know, they were like, "Oh, you have to buy it, but you have to buy twenty four or none at all." And I said, "I'm not gonna buy any because it's gonna be everywhere. It's gonna be in stacks at Target and at Costco and at Walmart and." Um, People come to Literati because they feel like they're going to find something new and interesting and engaged and really have a staff that has read and vetted for the kind of books that we put on our shelves. So that is actually, do you guys like talk about books all the time? Like here's like a little insider information. Are you like walking around saying, you know, oh my God, I just read this or um, oh, yeah. I was reading the New York Review of Books this weekend? Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, I think that happens all the time. We have, um, we get advanced readers copies of a number of books and we try to, to make a concerted effort to read as much as we can. And so when people are excited or not excited, they would read something <laughs> they really thought they were going to be excited about. And they said, oh, well, it's not that good. And that helps me in my decision on what I'm going to buy for the store. If they don't love it, then it might not be something that's worth taking in. And so um, whereas if somebody loves it, we're going to you know, buy a ton and make sure to write a review and put it at the front of store and and put it in our customers' hands. You know, um, so I love, I just love the look of your, not to be superficial <laughs> completely, but like <laughs> the, the shop itself is, it's just like, it's such a welcoming space. It's like a, a real place, how you guys have built it. And Thanks. you can tell that you've really... Um, I don't know that you love it and that the decisions you're making are, I don't know, very, very, you think about it a lot. Is we what do. I think like. it's like also can take over your life. You know, sometimes we close during the week, my husband and I sometimes, and we'll get caught up in fixing a display or choosing a new book to put out. And then it's like, 10 and you're like what am I still doing here but like yeah we do and I think everybody on staff does they do a wonderful job um, making the store feel great in both being welcoming and warm and sharing their thoughts on different books and helping make sure that people have a good time when they're there mm, yeah yeah and um and it seems like there's been so many exciting events that you've also had um recently the ann carson and waldman event. oh that was one in a lifetime it was absolutely 
it was really, really fun. And we were packed. We had to turn people away. I know. <laughs> Sadly. Oh, were I know. You not I had my there? nose pressed to the glass. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it, I don't know why, I started at 7.30, so it was my mistake. Yeah. (laughs) But I I could see everyone in there, and it was just so, it it looked like it was a lovely moment. And there was quite a good group of people outside, actually quite good-natured about still lurking even though the doors were closed yeah. you know it was yeah I mean, people I were like stayed good natured no, I don't know because I did leave <laughs> I didn't stay um, <laughs> there are a couple people who were upset but you know we do our best well, there's a we're fire all, code there's a yeah. fire code and we have to follow that and um we we you know we told people who were interested to get there early because we knew it was going to be very popular so it was really wonderful Oh, that's grand. That is grand. And Ann Waldman, and the friend of the show, um, she's always doing amazing work. And Ann Carson, wonderful. They're wonderful. both forces to be reckoned with in their own ways. Yes. So. I love that they're both named Ann. Yeah. And it's, it's so different. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's not very yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what book, what other book do you have here? We've got another couple of summer reads here. Um, Absolutely. Station Eleven just came out in paperback by Emily St. John Mendel. And it was actually chosen as the Great Michigan Reads by the Michigan Humanities Council. So they choose a book every two years that they think um, is a great read and that um, is connected in Michigan in some way. And this one, this one is, um, the author is actually from Toronto and she's, she loves... Um, kind of the Traverse City area of Michigan and she Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Exactly. It is so beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> and so she set her book there and it's the story about a sort of timely when it came out in hardcover a uh, a flu that spread contagiously through the population and killed off most of them. It's another, you know, dystopic book, but it's about most of the book is set about 20 years after and um, primarily narrated by a young girl who is in a traveling Shakespearean company that tries to keep the arts alive after civilization has collapsed, which is, and they travel along the shore of Lake Michigan in Michigan, which is really, really quite cool. And it goes back and forth in time, like to the characters 20 years after the collapse and then what their life was like before and it's kind of you know a lot of the reviews called it a love letter to um the time we're living in now so it's 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 really beautifully written Um, my husband and i hardly ever agree on books we love and we both absolutely loved this and most everyone on staff has read this and loved it it's it's spectacular and it was a national book award finalist so Ah, that's that's wonderful could you read a a passage for us absolutely so um This is a little bit of the perspective of what is called the Traveling Symphony, which is the group that travels together that does plays um, for the people who are still left along the coastline. 20 years after the end of air travel, the caravans of the Traveling Symphony moved slowly under a white hot sky. It was the end of July and the 25-year-old thermometer affixed to the back of the caravan read 106 degrees Fahrenheit. They were near Lake Michigan, but they couldn't see it from here. Trees pressed in close at the sides of the road and erupted through the cracks in the pavement. Saplings bending under the the caravans and soft leaves leaves brushing the legs of horses and the symphony alike. The heat wave had persisted for a relentless week. Um, Most of them were on foot to reduce the load on the horses, who had to be rested in the shade more frequently than anyone would have liked. 
The symphony didn't know this territory well, and they wanted to be done with it, but speed wasn't possible in this heat. They walked slowly, with weapons in hand, the actors running their lines, and the musicians trying to ignore the actors, scouts watching for danger ahead and behind on the road. It's not a bad test, the director had said early in the day. Gill was 72 years old, riding in the back of the second caravan now, his legs not quite what they used to be. If you can rem- remember your lines in questionable territory, you'll be fine on stage. Giving <laughs> good life advice there. That's right. right? <laughs> Get that one in. Yeah. And that was, let's see. Um, so, And this was Station Eleven, um, Emily St. John Mandel. And, and remind me, so this was the Michigan, it's the Humanities? Michigan Humanities Council. They're based out of Lansing, and they choose a book every two years um, that has connection to Michigan and is just, you know, how they classify a great read. So, th- um, And this is it? This is the book for the next two years. And so she's doing a number of events around Michigan. She's going to be at um, in Ann Arbor, and we're, I think we're going to host it at Rackham, um, but not until May of next year. So stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, two years is a long time. But Absolutely. There's nothing to stop you from picking up Station Eleven as your summer read now. So then you'll be ready. Absolutely. It's 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 got suspense. It's got love. It's got family. It's it's really a wonderful book. Thank you, Hillary. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And that was Station Eleven, um, written by Emily St. John Mandel, um, that you just heard part of. We've also been talking about The Sunken Cathedral by Kate Walbert, um, who also wrote, um, and one of Hillary's favorite books, A Short History of Women, um, which sounds great, and also a good book to read as we think about the USA World Cup, hopefully women's <laughs> finalists here, <laughs> go USA women's soccer. Um, we've also got Euphoria um, by Lily King in paperback. I'm T. Hetzel. You've got Living Writers today from Literati Bookstore. Hillary Gustafson is here. We'll be right back.
Writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor today. In the studio, Hillary Gustafson from Literati Bookstore. We've got the Liz behind the glass, and Tex has wandered in as well to join the summer read party <laughs> extravaganza. That's right. Hillary, thank you so much for coming by today. Absolutely. And, and bringing books. It's just like, it's just, it's so great to see you. Thanks. It's so great to see you too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> And the books, and it's just, yeah, and the music couldn't have been better, and, you know, just really, yeah, so everyone just get ready to twist the whole summer away. Um, Yeah, and these these songs that you you chose for today's program, Connecting Again, because we're sort of, we've been talking for the whole program, going, you know, back to Harper Lee as well with her, you know, her book, this set in the... um, I guess these were connected to the 60s when the book came out to right, kill a mockingbird, exactly. right? Yeah, Hillary? yeah and, that's right. It was the these these were a lot of them from the summer of that year when then the book came out on July 11th of that year. So, yeah. So how interesting that yeah. now it's it's going to be coming this this summer, yeah. This go set a watchman. Yep, um, July 14th. July 14th. You can get your copies at Literati. That's right. We'll have them. <laughs> and you were saying that there's quite a bit of um you know, well, foldery might not be the um, right word, but like where there's they're sort of building suspense, like the books will be shipped to you. Sort exactly. Of at the we last right. Exactly. They're they're being you know, it's one of those things. It's a closely guarded manuscript um, and, you know, will only be available on that day. We don't know when we'll get it, um, probably the night before. But, um, you know, for books like this, they often make you sign um, an affidavit saying you won't put it out before the on sale date. And um, if you do, there's legal action and all of this thing. So you have to be very careful. Um, And with, I mean, something like this, it's totally understandable. It's Harper Lee who said she'd never write another book. And this book is coming out um, so many years after to Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, and technically, she kept her word because yeah. she wrote this book first. Yeah. So she technically everything's you know she didn't re- write exactly. In- <laughs> it was just you know her her I think it's her lawyer or assistant or someone who plays a number of roles in her life was sorting through you know some of her stuff and found the the manuscript and asked her about it and she just openly said you know this was one that I was working on for a while and showed it to the publisher and they weren't interested so it's now being revived and. You know, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is now versus what it was like back then. It's hard to know, you know. And so interesting that this character that people have formed, you know, feel like they know in some ways from their own youth scout, um, then they'll get to meet this character as um, a, a woman in her 30s or so, maybe. Right. We'll see. Somewhere around there, mid twenties or thirties. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think the story, you know, what what the jacket copy says is that it follows the life of Scout as she she comes. She was living in New York and goes back to Alabama to see her dad, and um, kind of about you know the repercussions of everything that happened in To Kill a Mockingbird and how how their lives are now. I, yeah, it's it's kind of exciting. It yeah. feels a little historic too. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's great that she is she's still alive. Yeah, and and part of this um, right can be a discovery. part of this decision and discovery yes. and um, you know because that's where a lot of this controversy came out is is whether this is something she wanted and I think it is and I think it's a good way to do it.
And and just to remind folks, it's not too late to get a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird right now and join the Literati Book Club. Absolutely. Right. We're gonna be we're gonna be discussing it on July thirteenth at seven PM. You can buy the book from us. If you mention the book club, you get fifteen percent off. So um, come and join us and and read it, reread it or read it for the first time and, and come and let us know what you think. That sounds great. And you might even see the boxes being delivered with that's right. a set of Watchmen. <laughs> you might see it happening. Um, that's, that's right. I'm picturing it coming up in an armored vehicle. No, just kidding. <laughs> Probably just UPS. So, right. Dawn, be careful. <laughs> Dawn is our UPS. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so, Hillary, we have, we have another book on the table because today we've also been not only talking about the great Harper Lee, but also summer reading and That's right. how it's such it's such a great summer just goes with. Well, I mean, winter goes with reading, too, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know. When doesn't read? What when season doesn't? Right. That's right. It's always good. But, you know, there are there are different books that are good for different times and different moods. And, you know, summer has a very, you know, you have a very... People have different things. You know, a lot of people on staff love to tackle classics, like it sounds like you're doing. And some people want, you know, a love story or something that's not... Euphoria. That's by right. By Lily King. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or something that's going to take them to a different time or place. Um, and and Beautiful Ruins, our last book, does all of those things. So it's, it's, it's great, besides being a classic. But it is a couple years old. It's called Beautiful Ruins by Jess Walter. Um, and this... This I read, I think, three or four years ago, and um, it's been in paperback a couple of years, but continues to be one that I hand sell to people, especially during the summer, because it really is, it's the smart person's summer read. How so? Like, yeah, you it's yeah. just like, you know, people think of summer reads and they think they're light and, you know, they don't have substance, but this has a lot of substance, but it has a love story and it has a lot of depth to it. Um, and the story... And is the substance coming through, like the power of the writing, um, like you were saying with the fun the, the sunken cathedral right or is yes it it's the, everything it's, it's got all. everything it's got um great writing and also kind of a propulsive plot and wonderful characters um npr said you know it reminded them why they love reading novels um and 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 saying that in a wistful way as if they hadn't read something like this in a long time which was mm -hmm. really great um and it's it's this is goes back and forth in time to current day Los Angeles and um, Italy and kind of the Amalfi Coast um, in the 60s when they're filming Cleopatra and Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton are sort of characters in the book. And um, there's sort of this um, love between um, an actress and um, a hotel keeper. And and then, you know, you flash forward a number of years in Los Angeles and how they connect through a number of different people is really interesting. Um, so it's, it's a really wonderful story. Um, and and great writing and really fun. Um, so. so that does sound perfect. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely perfect for the summer. How did you find it? How did you? When was what was your origin it, story I, with this? Well, this actually, I was in New York and um, McNally Jackson Books, which is in Soho in New York, um, had it on their front table and they had signed copies. And I was I was caught by the cover because it just looks so inviting and summery, and and um, almost and almost like um, old fashioned, like retro in right. a way. And the uh, right, the it's colors. Like, it looks like um. Uh, 
picture from the 1960s of the Italian coast, which is like you a know, postcard, like a postcard. <laughs> exactly. Like something you'd you'd be like, look where I am. This is the lovely beach that I'm at. So it has kind of that invi- inviting cover. Um, and and really, it was getting a lot of great buzz at the time that it was out. And I think um, it was it was on a whim. And I remember, you know, in New York, you're always strapped for cash. And I was like, oh, it's a hard cover. I don't know if I can do this. And I was so glad I did. It was really wonderful. So um, I, I really recommend this to almost any reader. It's it's one that I feel like there there are a number of different characters that you can really connect to. And, and it's a page turner, which is really wonderful, too. Have you read anything else by Jess Walter? I haven't. But, you know, um, his, his other books are really, really well acclaimed as well. Um, have you? No, no, no. He wrote the financial lives of poets, um, <laughs> which is—is is that a shorter one? <laughs> <laughs> and um, the zero and Citizen Vince, which are all also pretty critically acclaimed. But this is kind of a breakout book for him, um, and kind of has a, a a great staying power. I think maybe we could invite him to Ann Arbor. Oh, what do you think? Would, Should he that, come to the bookstore? I, I think so. He would be, be great. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you want to read a bit from it for us? Sure, sure. Um, so, let's see. I, I'm sorry, I don't have a page oh, for that. Let's see. That's that's true. And also, it's hard when it's your your favorite book, one of your favorite books in the world, by the sounds of it. Like to even pick a yeah, passage. Absolutely. And that's this is beautiful ruins um, by Jess Walter. Right. And so. One of the actresses goes to stay at this hotel um, in Italy, and it's called the Hotel Adequate View, which is hilarious because <laughs> they've translated something incorrectly. And um, <laughs> it's April 1962. Um All day, he waited for her to come downstairs, but she spent that first afternoon and evening alone in her room on the third floor. And so Pascal went about his business, which seemed not like business at all, but the random behavior of a lunatic. Still, he didn't know what else to do, so he threw rocks at the breakwater in the cove, and he chipped away at his tennis court, and he glanced up occasionally at the whitewashed shutters over the windows in her room. In the late afternoon, when the feral cats were sunning themselves on the rocks, a cool spring wind the surface of the sea, and Pascal retreated to the piazza to smoke alone before the fishermen came to drink. At the adequate view, there was no noise from upstairs, no sign at all that the beautiful American was even up there, and Pascal worried again that he had imagined the whole thing. Thank you so much for reading that, yeah. Hillary. So that was from Beautiful Ruins by Jess Walter. And what are some? What's your summer? What What are you reading this summer now? Like on. Uh, or too many things. So many things. And a lot of things, you know, uh, as I said, we read a lot of advanced copies. So I'm reading a lot of things that come out in the fall. Um, but I'm also on a panel for that helps choose the Ann Arbor Reads. So we're reading a number of books um, for consideration. Um, so I've recently read Citizen by Claudia Rankine, which I absolutely loved and thought was extremely just extremely well done and interesting and unique, um, and I and I really love that. I'm also reading Motor City Burning, which um, is kind of a mystery um, set in the '60s in Detroit, which is really great. I like the historical aspect of it. So, and really have you read My Brilliant Friend? Because that's oh, going to be on right. my night table too. I just finished My Brilliant oh. Friend. That was our last book club pick, and I absolutely oh. loved it. And that's this is Elena Ferranti. Exactly, and that is. Um, 
Really, really wonderful. Have you started reading it yet? Not, not yet. I'm coming by Literati to get a copy. That's right. I'm gonna, to, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hillary, for being on the program today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, today, I've been talking with Hillary Gustafson um, from Literati Bookstore. We've just heard a passage from Beautiful Ruins by Jess Walter. Earlier in the program, you heard about Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, Euphoria by Lily King, and Kate Walbert's The Sunken Cathedral. So these are all some summer picks from us to you. Many thanks to the Liz for doing the engineering. And big, 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 huge thanks to Hillary for coming by the studio. You are indeed a friend of the show. Please come back anytime and hide a mic. Oh, thanks um. so much, T. This was wonderful. <laughs> well, until next time, I'm T. Hetzel, and you've been listening to Living Writers. I can't look at the rocket launch trophy wives of the astronauts. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and it is time for La Explosión Banda. Ya, si no encuentras motivos para seguir conmigo, para que continuar, es mejor terminar como amigos que ser como enemigos esperando atacar. Vete si no sientes que en mi boca te provoca sensaciones cuando ronda por tus labios. Vete si tu cuerpo no se excita cuando en forma de caricias te recorro con mis manos Nada justifica en esta vida soportar con la mentira una relación si no hay amor Vete ya, si no hay amor Ay, 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 intenta Ya. Si no encuentras motivos para seguir conmigo, para que continuar, es mejor 